Well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this uh, worship service. Today, I'm continuing the sermon I started last week on suffering, which is a very important subject because suffering is a part of all of our lives. And, and can we be honest, 2020 has been a year unlike any in my lifetime. This pandemic, COVID-19, uh, has brought you know so much suffering. You know, so many people have died. People have been sick and in the hospital because of it. Uh, it's wrecked economies around the world. People have lost their jobs and their 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 homes, and and it's caused a lot of suffering. And then more recently, uh, we have brought to the surface these underlying issues that have been there for a long, long time of of policing questions about policing and and race relations, and we're seeing that uh, show up in protests and riots and there's more shootings taking place it seems like every couple of weeks there's a new story and you know and and in some of the rioting businesses have been destroyed and more people uh, maybe who survived the economic downturn have lost their livelihoods as well so there's a lot of suffering in our country a lot of hurting and this this second message on suffering I want I want to be as practical as I can now both weeks we've been in the book of Romans and today we're going to be in chapters 5 and 8 so if you have your Bible go ahead and open it to Romans chapter 5 and get something to take some notes on but last week I tried to lay a theological biblical foundation about suffering from Romans chapter 8 today I want to be a little bit more practical but just by way of review just remember that we live in a fallen world a fallen universe it's not perfect. It's, it, things die and decay and don't work in this universe at times. Even though it's complex and magnificent, it's also fallen. And we live in fallen bodies, sinful bodies. And our bodies are dying from the day we are born. And we get sick and, and we get we have disease and we have struggles. And, and Romans 8 tells us that both the creation, the universe, and we as human beings, we as followers of Christ, we groan in our bodies. The universe groans every time something bad happens. Every time there is suffering we are groaning and it also says as we groan we're looking forward both the universe and we as followers of Christ we're looking into the future straining our necks to see the day when Jesus comes back and there's a new heaven and a new earth and we have a new body and all of the suffering ends well as I said a moment ago today I want to be a little bit more practical and and talk about uh, how does this show up in real life if, 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 if we live in a fallen world and we have a fallen sinful body and that's why there's disease and sickness and bad things happen, how does that show up in, in practical terms? And then what do you and I do as followers of Jesus Christ as we live in this imperfect world in imperfect bodies? And again, it's not going to answer every question you have, but it's going to answer some. And I hope it's going today to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus Christ because again remember we as followers of Christ have a very different perspective and we know we live in this fallen world so let let me just delineate for you some of the common causes of suffering some of the ways that uh, that 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 suffering occurs as a result of living in an imperfect fallen universe ways suffering occurs because we live in an imperfect sinful body and and there's a few of these let me run through them kind of quickly the first one is is we suffer sometimes because of our own actions our own choices at times our own sinful choices if we're honest with ourselves the truth is that often we create a lot of our own pain think about america today just just take the issue of alcohol and alcoholism by itself a recent national survey found that listen to this 26% of people 18 and older in America in the last month 
have have binge drunk. They 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 they've been binge drinkers. Not not in the last year, but one one out of four American adults in the last month, the last thirty days, have been guilty of binge drinking. In fact, last year in the last twelve months in America, eighty-eight thousand people died due to alcohol-related causes. That is the third leading cause of death in America. You know what number one is? Smoking. And so think about that. The number one and the number three leading causes of death in America, death to our body, snuffing out our life, are the results of choices we make to drink, to drink too much, to smoke, to smoke too much. Choices that we have total control over, and yet it brings a lot of suffering to us and to those who love us. We have a lot of bad habits that we develop over time because of the decisions we make that cause us to hurt. And we do that because we're not perfect. We do that because we are sinful and we make sinful choices. And then sometimes we will actually hear people say, I don't know why God allowed that to happen. I don't know why God did that. God didn't do it. God didn't have anything to do with it. If you die because of an alcohol-related issue in your own life, you did that. If you die because of smoking, God didn't have anything to do with that. You did it to yourself. And it's amazing how sometimes we can make bad decisions and bring suffering into our life. And then we want to say, God, why did you do that? God didn't do it. I did it. You did it. That's one of the reasons we suffer sometimes. And so we we need to stop blaming God. It's not God's fault if I'm lazy and therefore lose my job. It's not God's fault if I steal or lie and get in trouble as a result. What happens to me is not always something God's doing. Quite often it is something that I did to myself. A second common cause of suffering is the actions of other people. Sometimes they're sinful choices. Even though it's a choice they make, it affects me. Nearly 4,000 people, listen to this, nearly 4,000 people in South Carolina died in the last eight years as a result of drunk drivers. They weren't, I mean, think about that. Drunk drivers not only killing themselves, but killing innocent people. Nearly 4,000 people in the last eight years. And, and this, is, this, this was surprising to me. Do you know which age group, which age group in our country is most likely to drink and drive? It may surprise you. The age group most likely to drink and drive in America today are the millennial generation, not the older generations and not the younger generation. It's the millennial generation. And so sometimes what other people do, drinking at a party, getting in a car and driving, having an accident, and they kill somebody else, sometimes you and I suffer because of the sinful choices that other fallen people, other sinful people make. We had the story just a few years ago of the pastor in Indiana, his pregnant wife, died early one morning he had left the house going to the gym to work out two men broke into the house one of them raped her and then he shot her in the head and left her for dead see other people have freedom of choice just like you and i have freedom of choice and sometimes they as sinful fallen people make sinful choices hurtful choices and they hurt me they hurt you they hurt others because we live in this sinful fallen world and we are all sinful fallen people and 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 i've made choices in my life that have that have hurt people I, I've said things and done things that have hurt people emotionally in, in, in life, and we've all been guilty of that. So sometimes we suffer because of our own sinful choices or our own bad choices. Sometimes we suffer because of other people's actions, other people's sinful choices. And then third, 
Sometimes we suffer because we live in this body, this imperfect, fallen, sinful body that is dying from the day we are born, going all the way back to the beginning of humanity, Adam and Eve sinning, and all of us having sinned since, we live in an imperfect body, and it groans, as Romans 8 says, it groans and we, we suffer. My dad, my father died when he was 54 from cancer, a result of living in an imperfect, sinful body. Our daughter contracted breast cancer when she was 27 now thankfully she she's doing well but uh, she at, at a young age breast cancer why not because of anything she had done or someone else did just the fact that she lives in a mortal sinful imperfect body we're born with disease we're born with genetic makeup and and sometimes that leads to things that are hard in life and leads to to suffering and 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 that's one of the reasons we suffer another reason we suffer is because we live in this imperfect sinful universe this physical world that is that is not perfect it doesn't always function correctly i mean it's a beautiful world complex world it's an amazing creation of god but because of our sin it's been cursed it's corrupted and it's no longer perfect and therefore things uh, happen some of you will remember in 2011 that massive earthquake a point nine a, a magnitude nine earthquake in the northern part of japan that unleashed this this massive tsunami and more than one million listen to this more than one million buildings were destroyed 120,000 buildings rather, were completely destroyed. The others, up to 1 million, were damaged to some degree. And about 16,000 people died. In fact, 2,000 bodies are unaccounted for, still missing. And you remember there was the nuclear plant in Japan that, that uh, had a level 7 nuclear meltdown and released radioactive materials. Why? Because there was an earthquake, a natural disaster, and then a tsunami, a natural disaster. All byproducts of this universe, this creation, as Romans 8 said last week, being subjected to futility, being a sinful, fallen world, subjected to that because of humanity's sin. Fallen creation means that there's going to be natural disasters of all kinds, whether it's an earthquake and a tsunami, a hurricane, a drought, a brush fire. There's going to be accidents human mistakes, human errors. There's going to be equipment failure. Things don't last. Metal rubs against metal and it wears out. It doesn't last. Nothing lasts except what God has promised us in Scripture. And so things wear out. There's accidents. My uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law died in a plane crash in Kentucky at Lex in Lexington a few years ago and 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 the reason was the pilots it's pilot error they they weren't paying attention to their job they they were doing things they shouldn't do in the in the cockpit and they took that plane down the wrong runway and didn't have enough room to get lift and to take off and as a result 49 people lost their lives see as human beings we're we're not perfect and we live in a world that's not perfect and sometimes we don't make good decisions sometimes we make mistakes sometimes accidents happen all because we are not perfect this world is not perfect is a byproduct of humanity having chosen to sin it's not what god does it's what man caused because he sinned and made this environment imperfect and made ourselves imperfect another reason we sometimes suffer is persecution as followers of Jesus Christ. You may not know this, but in the last 12 months, in the last 12 months, 3,000 followers of Jesus Christ around this world have been martyred for their faith. Nearly 10,000 church buildings in the last year have been attacked. 
because they are worshiping Jesus Christ. And so there are Christians suffering because of persecution. And then there are believers. Sometimes we suffer because of God's discipline, just like a, a loving parent will discipline a child when they do something wrong to help them learn, to teach them. God sometimes disciplines us. And so there are all these different causes common causes for suffering, but they're all a byproduct of man having chosen to sin and making this world imperfect and making us imperfect until the second coming of Christ when everything is changed and everything is restored. And as we live in this life, we can have different reactions to suffering. You can become bitter and angry. You can feel hopeless and helpless. But people of faith choose to look the hurt, the suffering in the face and say, yes, I see you and I feel it. We don't minimize it. We know it. But in the midst of it, we also rejoice and we have hope because of the glory we talked about last, last Sunday, but also because we can grow stronger. Through suffering, if, just, 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 just like a child, if they respond properly to their parents' instruction, to their parents' discipline, when you and I suffer, if we respond properly, we can grow and we can become stronger stronger people of character, stronger people of fortitude, stronger people of faith, and we can also grow closer to Jesus. Now, the book of Romans chapter 5. I promise you we get there. Book of Romans chapter 5. Look at something interesting that the Apostle Paul says in verses 3 and following. He says not only this, talking about all the glory that awaits us in heaven at the end of verse 2, but he says we exult in our tribulation. So yes, we exult, rejoice, boast, are excited about our, our future glory. But he says we also exult or or boast. Now, this is this is so interesting. He says in our tribulations, really, in 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 hard times. He says yes. Why? Because knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. You see, I I can't get strong if I don't have have something to work at. It's just like in exercise, no pain, no gain. Sometimes as I go through challenges, if, if I respond properly, it can give me perseverance, endurance. It can make me stronger. Knowing that the tribulation brings about perseverance and perseverance proving character, and proving character hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. Now, he's not minimizing suffering. He's not saying, hey, go out and, 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 and look for it and say, hey, I want to suffer so I can grow. But he's saying that, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, when we suffer, if we respond in faith and in love, we will grow stronger. We will have more character. The love of God will fill our heart even stronger. So we grow spiritually and we grow closer to Jesus. Now, that may seem really crazy to some of you who are listening to me right now. But it is so true. And last week, you remember, I said that the path, the journey that Jesus traveled was a, was a journey, was a path of suffering followed by glory. Same thing is true for us. We follow the path of suffering, and ultimately there's going to be glory. But my brothers and sisters, there's also some glory here. Because the closer I get to Jesus, the more I'm in touch with the glory of God. And the stronger I become as a follower of Jesus and allow Him through the Holy Spirit to shape my character, and I become more of a man of God, more of a woman of God, I begin to experience the glory of God in this life. And there is joy in that. And so it's like here on one hand, I feel the suffering, I feel the pain, but I also feel the joy joy, joy, the happiness of a close relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me say something, because I know many of you watch people on television and, and you hear people, and I want, I want to say something to you. Any theology, any philosophy, any so-called Christian teaching that does not have place for suffering in its belief system, a place for suffering in what it teaches, a place of, for, for suffering in, in its understanding of, of life and of our relationship with God is not a biblical 
teaching because the Bible does not stick its head in the sand and say suffering is not real. The Bible does not say, hey, just just, just if you have enough faith, all your suffering will go away. That's, that's nonsense. That's unbiblical. The Bible is both realistic and filled with hope and, and says to us, yes, you're going to hurt, but you're going to have joy in life. And the more you respond in faith, the greater your joy is going to be and the stronger you're going to be and you'll catch greater and greater glimpses of your future glory in the present if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus who is Hebrew says for the joy set before him the glory the joy set before him endured the cross endured because he knew what was coming and I want to say to you and me there's glory coming but there's also some help in this present moment and real quick let me share with you some of the help that is available to us Romans chapter 8 in your Bible, the first is this, is we have a hope that is undeniable. And he talks about that in verses 24 and 25. And, and, and I'm, I'm not going to repeat that or belabor that because that's what I've been talking about last week and a little bit today. But that hope, that hope helps. I, I know the critics always said, you know, pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. But I tell you what, I'm not going to let go of that pie because I like pie and I like the glory. And the fact that I've got glory waiting for me gives me hope and strength in the present. And I don't want to live as somebody who is hopeless and helpless and says there is nothing more than this. I think God for the hope that is undeniable and fills my heart and fills my soul. But the second help I have as I suffer in this life is the Holy Spirit who lives within me as a child of God. In verse 26 of Romans 8, he says, In the same way the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Listen, when you and I are groaning because we're hurting, and, and, we, and we go to God and, and we try to pray, but we don't know how to pray. It's hard to put it into words. The Holy Spirit takes those groanings within us and He takes those groanings and He groans and He turns them into sweet prayers to the fathers for us. I mentioned a moment ago that when our daughter was 27, she contracted breast cancer. She had surgery. She's gone through chemo, doing well. But recently we had another scare. Test came back and it didn't look good. And there was concern about the cancer having come back and possibly spread and she had to go undergo other tests and 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 she's fine she the, the, they eventually came back benign so she's well but before we knew that praying and i have to tell you god gave me and my wife a beautiful peace the holy spirit and 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 and, and i how do you pray? How do you pray in those moments? You know, you, you don't want to, you, you don't manipulate God. So how do you pray? And the Holy Spirit helped me. And, and my prayer for my daughter, because I learned, just be honest with God, but don't manipulate God. And so my prayer was very simply, God, I'm asking for her to have many decades of quality life. I didn't tell God how to do it. I didn't ask him to heal her because I didn't know if she had cancer. I just said, God, I want her to have many decades of quality life. And, and but God, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, no matter how you answer that prayer, God, I'm going to love you and I'm going to serve you. And uh, God, that's it. And so I didn't live with anxiety. I lived with peace. Yeah, there were times I thought, I, I'm not saying there was never any fear. There was. But there was such a peace. And it was this beautiful thing of the Holy Spirit settling into my soul and saying, just pray it this way, just pray it this way, and trust God. Not that God promised me anything, but God gave me peace. The Holy Spirit helped me know how to pray and how to get through that moment, and He will do the same thing for you. Now, the third thing we have helping us is that God is able to bring good out of bad. That doesn't mean God causes the bad. He doesn't. 
but he can bring something good out of it. It's like someone can break something and somebody else can fix it. So you might break something. Somebody else might break something. This world might break something. Our body might break something. There's suffering. There's bad. But God can bring good out of the bad. In verse 28 of Romans chapter 8, look at what he says. He says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Doesn't say God causes everything. Don't go there. God doesn't cause everything. But it does say that God can cause all these things that happen, including bad things. He can, he can work them together. He can weave them together in such a way that in the midst of all the suffering, the pain, and the bad, God can bring something good out of it. But now listen, it does not say God does that every time for every person. Listen to what it says. The Apostle Paul writes here, God causes all things to work together for good to those not everyone, not every time, but to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. This promise from God that He will bring good out of bad is given to those who love Him and those who live within His purpose, those who live within His will, who serve Him, love Him, follow Him, and obey Him. Now, does God sometimes bring good out of bad for anybody else? Yes. But this promise is to those who love Him and live in the purpose and the will of Almighty God. And that helps those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ when we suffer. Another help we have is the security that Jesus' love is eternal and there is nothing we can do or anyone else can do nothing this world can do that can change the fact that Jesus Christ loves us and will separate us from his love if we are his children if we are his followers if we love him and we are serving him and I love the way the apostle Paul describes this here starting in verse 35 of Romans chapter 8 follow with me if you have your Bible he says who will separate us from the love of Christ from the love of Jesus tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword and then dropping down in verse 38 he says for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height or depth nor any other created thing listen will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am so thankful to know that as I live life in this messed up, sinful, fallen world, in this messed up, sinful, fallen body, that, that both have beauty and complexity to them, but I live in this world of both joy and suffering, a mixture of the two, that as I live in this, that nothing, nothing, nothing separates me from the love of Jesus Christ. He never stops loving me. And, it, and, and when I keep my eyes fixed on Him, the love that through the Holy Spirit, the love of God that has been poured into my heart, it's like God just keeps filling it up with more and more and more. And the more I'm filled up with His love, and the more I see the glory that is there and experience His blessings and His help in the here and now, the stronger I become and we are able to overcome. That's the reason he says here that we are more than victorious. We win. We overcome. One last thing. It's not found here in the book of Romans, but it's in the Bible, and it's true. One help that we as followers of Jesus have when we suffer that so many people in this world do not have is we have each other. We have our family of faith. We have fellow believers. 
And I can't tell you how many times over the years I've been called by funeral homes asking me to do a funeral for someone who died because they don't have a church. They don't have a pastor. And they and their family have not been active in a church community. They haven't been living for Jesus Christ. And I go and I love on the family and I do the funeral as best I can. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. And it's been so sad. And to see that many times there's hardly anyone there other than the immediate family. I've done graveside services and, and I could count on my two hands how many people were there because they didn't have that support system. But I've done so many funerals and I've been around so many people who were suffering, whether it's through sickness and illness, whether it's through loss of job, whether it's through children who are rebelling, whatever it is. And I've seen God's people rally around one another in a way that is so beautiful and so special and so unique. And it's not just the neighbors, two or three neighbors it's the family of faith it's the people of God and it is beautiful to behold and God doesn't want you to go through suffering alone we strengthen one another we support one another and there are some of you watching right now God is talking to you God is speaking in your mind and in your heart about a relationship with Jesus Christ about your need for the people of God because i got to tell you, Lone Ranger Christianity is unbiblical and it does not work. Yes, I worship Jesus at home during this pandemic when we were not having services, but there's nothing like being with the people of God. I need the people of God. You need Jesus Christ and you need the family of faith. You need the people of God and they need you. And I want to ask you right now to make a decision to give your life to Jesus. I want to ask you to make a commitment to be part of His family children of God. See, he, he says children of God in, in this Roman 8 passage we looked at last week. We're brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. We're part of the family and, 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 and we want to be together and we want to be with each other. So I'm asking you right now to pray and say, Jesus Christ, I'm giving my life to you. I'm committing myself to you, asking you to forgive me for all of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me and will save me. So I give myself to you right now, Jesus. Save me. I give myself. I commit myself to you. I'm going to be your child, your servant. I'm going to live for you. And Jesus, I'm glad to be part of your family. And I want to go to church. I want to go to church. I want to, to have my brothers and sisters help me and encourage me and teach me and, and help me to grow. I don't want to do this thing by myself because I know that's not the right way. I'm part of your family. And if you'd like to make that kind of decision, I want you to text the word Jesus to the number on your screen. And then you'll be prompted to fill out a short form so one of our pastors could be in touch with you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you live in a different city than Rock Hill, we can try to help you connect with the church in your particular community. Let us know that you're wanting to make a spiritual decision to follow Jesus to become part of a church family by texting Jesus to that number. And if you're in the York County, Rock Hill, Chester County, Lancaster County area of South Carolina, on up into Mecklenburg County, we'd love for you to be part of our church family. Text the word Jesus to that number and let us know that you'd like to talk to one of our pastors. And then finally, we want to pray with you because we believe praying is important. We have a prayer list and we pray over that list regularly. Let us know how we can pray for you. Text the word pray to that same number and then you'll be prompted to fill out a short form that will let us know how we can be praying for you. Well, I know these are difficult topics. Suffering, and then even before that, the conversation on racism. But brothers and sisters, the Bible deals with real life. God deals with real life. And that's why we have dealt with these issues. Because we want to be the best we can be as followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. I pray you have been blessed, encouraged, challenged even, and that you're growing.